Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we sat down, you said nothing is off limits, absolutely nothing, that you live an authentic, honest life. What did you mean by that? You know, I moved out of my house when I was 14 years old because I was sexually abused from the time I was eight to the time I was 12 by my stepfather. Wow. And so from the very early parts of my life, I was like fighting to like find my true self, to find who I really am. These people would come in church and be saved again and be born again. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was like my born again moment. And that's when I really started to come out of like this really dark place and start to live my life. So... Tony. Yes. I'm excited today because I have a guest who I'm very intrigued by mm. where we've sent each other a lot of positive energy over Instagram and I started following him and I sent him out my last book and I've, I've watched his content and I'm like, who is he? And we have him here today. He's in town. Sean T. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I wish I could move away from this mic so I can start this entire thing off with a twerk session. However, ah. however, I will keep it cute here in this chair. Well, we can get into <laughs> twerking at any time. It's completely accessible to all. Yes. Um, so I've been excited to sit down with you and have a conversation and, and get to know you a little bit. And it's kind of nice that I don't know you a lot. Uh, so in a lot of ways, whereas we would have been having coffee or lunch, uh, I'm now getting to know you in this format. Before we sat down, you said nothing is off limits, absolutely nothing, that you live an authentic, honest life. What do you mean by that? I just believe that if you're going to make yourself available, then you have to be 100% available and authentic to who you are. Because for me, if you ask me a question and the minute I say that's not available, then how much are you going to believe me going forward? And I just think it's really great for me to make myself open and available to people. And the thing is like, if you judge my answer, then you're going to learn something about it, or at least you'll learn something that you didn't know. Because most of the time when people judge you, it's just that they're ignorant to not understanding your journey. Well, Tony and I, Tony and I talk about this. We'll get people sometimes on the podcast and they're not a hundred percent honest and they won't talk about things. And I get thrown because I'm just like, we're just having a conversation. If you're that ashamed of what, or don't want to talk about it, you shouldn't be going on podcasts. Well, me and my Go husband, read a book. my husband and I have this really great rule in our relationship because sometimes it is hard to talk about things, but we have these prefaces. So one is I'm talking to you as my best friend. The other mm. one we say I'm talking to you as my husband. And the other one, it says when it's really tough to talk about, we say, can we go into the locker room? Because in any locker room, a football team, a track team, a baseball team, there, there could be fights. There could be all these things, but they're working together to mm. go out there to work together to win the game. And so if I'm going to build a relationship with you, whether it's for an hour, or maybe we have a friendship after this. I never want you to have to guess who I am. Like, right. I want you to be able to make the decision. Do I want to be around this person going forward? And if you don't, that is completely fine. But I can also walk away saying, this is I gave I him my all. Yeah. You know, I, I know that you're a dad. I know that you're married. You have a, to, to another man. You have a few kids. I know that you're 
highly inspiring, motivational, obviously have trailblazed in different ways in order to get to where you're at. Um, and what is your story? Like, how did you get into what you're doing and where you're at in your life? And yeah, thank you for the question. So it's, it's a very interesting story, but I think I want to just start off by saying that my story without being, um, super specific in the beginning is really just about like perseverance and trust and belief. And now in the present time is just really focusing on being 100% authentic to who I am. Um, you know, we just were in a pandemic, hopefully coming out soon and, you know, social media blew up and, you know, being in a, in the spotlight of my career and having commercials before this big social media thing came about, you know, it was just kind of like this really interesting thing, how I saw the world transition into kind of trends, if you will. And everyone's saying like, this is a trend and I'm going to follow this. This is a trend. I'm going to follow this. And, and people kind of like conforming to like these different tunnels in the world. And it always annoyed me very, very much mm. because, you know, I moved out of my house when I was 14 years old because I was sexually abused from the time I was eight to the time I was 12 by my stepfather. Wow. And so from the very early parts of my life, I, was like fighting to like find my true self, to find who I really am. And I ended up moving in with my grandparents. Like they, everybody thought it was weird that I wanted to move out of my house into my grandparents' house. But I, you know, my grandfather was a pastor. And- How did you know it was wrong at where some people stay in or don't say anything? What led you to kind of leave? So this is a very- a wild reason why I knew it was time to leave. So everybody like, you know, like my husband says, clutch your pearls. No, um, <laughs> it sounds funny, but you know, so yeah, I was being sexually abused from the time I was eight to the time I was 12. Like this man would literally, he was an alcoholic. He would come home at like, you know, two o'clock in the morning. I would hear him pull in a driveway and, you know, I would get, you know, super nervous. And I would hear him start a fight with my, with my mother because their bedroom was right under mine. And then he would come upstairs and he would go in the bathroom and turn on the, the bathroom fan like he was going to the bathroom. And then he would come into my room, you know, molest me and then like go to the bathroom and go downstairs. And it was just like, that was like this rolling thing, especially like on the weekends. Right. Mm. And so I was such a young person. Like that's, I really kind of like, Restored. Like I just kind of like closed into myself and I just became really quiet. I used to hide in a closet. You know, I don't know if you remember the the doll, my buddy, but my yeah. buddy was my best friend. And so me, my buddy and my light bright toy would just be in a closet. And my family just kind of thought I was like a little, not weird, but they would just kind of like. Did you have it. siblings during this time? I had one brother. Yeah. One year older than me. And so, you know, my family was kind of like, you know, they just thought I was like quiet, I guess, you know, and the, but I also did a really good job of faking it when, when other people was around. So anyway, cut to, you know, four years of that, my mind literally just said, I have to deal with this because he was such an abusive person that I felt that if I told anyone, he would literally kill us. Like he had a gun, like it was like, it was like a very fearful moment. And so the odd thing that gave me bravery to get out of it, it's so crazy. So I got to the point where the minute I had my first orgasm as a mm. young person, he stopped molesting me. So, and this is really hard for people to understand. A lot of people say this is way too much information, but this is my truth. And so what happened was, this is the first person that I was like in love with. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I was saying, I'm, I'm making this OK. I'm I'm saying like it I'm living good, but it was sacred. It was yeah. like your own bond where no one else knew about it. He told everyone I was special, his favorite. Right. It was all this stuff. So then when it stopped, I was like craving it. Like I would literally do things as a as, as a preteen to like try and be desirable mm. to this, you know, however old I was, 39, 40 year old man. Right. And then when I went through that grief of being rejected, that's when I was like, I got to get out of here. That's when I realized it was toxic because, you know, in my head as a very young person, by the time I turned 14, I went through two years of like feeling neglected. I was like, you know, I went through all this, like 
you know, I took on all this pain for you to leave me. You mm. know what I'm saying? And then that's when I realized I was like, oh my gosh, like this was wrong the whole time. Like, and then I, that's when I decided I had to get out of that space, but it still took me another seven years to tell my family. But the most profound moment for me really was the first night I was at my grandparents' house. My grandfather was a pastor of the church, you know, mm. my grandmother was a first lady. And, and I remember once the first night sleeping, going to bed and I just started bawling. Like I was crying uncontrollably. And my grandmother and grandfather ran into my room and they prayed over me. And it was so profound because my grandfather always talked at the end of the church sermon, these people would come in church and be saved again and be born again. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was like my born again moment. And that's when I really started to come out of like this really dark place and start to live my life, so. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I have to imagine because your first sexual experiences were with him that it had to have been very confusing whether or not you were gay or trying to go, well, that happened to me, therefore maybe I am or not. Did you experience any of that? Like a lot of people have? I think though, this is another, I'm very weird because I've been through so much therapy that I've kind of like dug into this stuff. But initially sex to me was because I had such a traumatic experience sexually, right? Sex was never weird to me. Like, and as a teenager, I I was with women. I was, you know, not, no, with women until I was 17 years old. Mm. And then I realized like, oh, like this is different. This feels better. Cause I never, when I was with women, I never felt like I was forcing myself to be with them. It was just kind of a thing. Um, but to your point, you know, my first like sexual feeling toward someone was, I just remember being like in kindergarten, I have this huge crush on, you know, my neighbor friend who is still one of my really good friends to this day. And so I don't ever, I never really had this like weird thing of like, am I gay or am I straight? I was just like, you know, it was just kind of like a, I don't know if that affected that at all. Meaning. Did you know, uh, he ever get in trouble? Your stepdad? So, no, he never got in trouble. I told my family. My family was more of like a let's pray on it kind of thing. Um, and he had ended up he ended up moving out of my, my my house, breaking up with my mother. He put a gun to her head. That was the last day. He was like, I gotta get out of here. It was just crazy. Is he still um, alive? No, he actually died. And what was very interesting is when he, I think he was dying of cancer somehow, just because I found out from some other family members. And um he asked to see me and my brother. And I don't know who it was in my family, but they never told us because they just felt like something would just, was just really off mm. by that uh, request. So I didn't find out till a few years after he died that that had even happened. So what was the biggest thing you had to overcome since being sexually abused? The biggest thing that I had to overcome was not sex, but understanding what love really was and being what in love really is. Mm -hmm. Because when I met my husband, Scott, who is like this literally incredible human, incredible human, when we got together and we moved in together at two o'clock in the morning, I would have these like really crazy dreams and I would start these like really bad fights with him, like crazy. Like, and I would always blame him for doing something. And you know, I always blame him for doing something and always something, right? And 
I was going through therapy at the time and my therapist didn't have time for me to come in and meet her. So she said, hey, call me. Cause I was like really going through it. This had happened over and over and over again. We got into these fights. And so I called my therapist and I was like, you know, this is happening. I don't know why I, I just feel very overwhelmed and I'm in this amazing relationship and why is this happening? She just was like, so what was the one thing that happened at two o'clock in the morning in your life? And I had this really profound moment that I was like, oh my goodness. I That's was waking up at home. the time where mm -hmm. he would. And so the, the hardest thing was really apologizing to my husband and, and being like, I'm sorry for doing this. And it was, you know, the good thing is he was going through therapy at the time. So we would really discuss things that we were going through. So that was easy. But it, for me, it was really emotional because it was a breakthrough, but it was also really emotional because I was like, I really don't know what love is. And I don't know how to accept true love because my first true love should not have been, mm -hmm. you know? So that was, that was the hardest thing that I went through. And I went to write a book around that time and I actually stopped writing it. I was like, I'm not ready to write it because I don't feel like I can inspire and motivate people when I don't really know my true self yet. Mm. I got to ask, because you said that you didn't hear from a family member until years after mm -hmm. that he wanted to see you. Had you had known while he was still alive that he wanted to see you, would you have gone to visit him? So it's a very interesting question. Uh, because when I went to college, I I went to college for sports science and all this thing, but I also became a professional dancer or a dancer in college. And I had a show in Philadelphia. And so I'm doing this show. I finished my show. I'm so excited. And, you know, we, we leave the stage. We're like so excited. My friend and I would dance together. And he was in the audience wow. when I was coming out. So I had this like, I still am like, oh my gosh. So I had this decision that I could go over to him and say hello or, you know, kind of like move away from the situation. And if you know anything about me, anything that's really tough to do, that's the thing that I'm going to do. So I just kind of walked up to him and, you know, he said hi. And I was like, hello. And he's like, you know, thanks for being, I, he said, you really guys said, thanks for being here. And I just kept it super, super short and walked away. But I actually think that he was there to like, almost like, you know, if someone murders someone, they show up at the scene, you know, when a cops come mm. to see if like, you know, just because if of their guilt. Still. Right, exactly. Um, but after that, no. But however, had there been an opportunity later in life when I was, when I was like really past it and I'm more of an adult, uh, no, I definitely would not have, not because I wouldn't have wanted him to see me. I would have been, I would have been like, I'm going to have to tell, like, I'm going to have to like, it's just going to be a whole thing. Cause I know myself, if I saw him, I probably would have freaked out at that age after having been through it. And I would have been like, you know, how can I put him in jail? And I have like a little guilt for not saying anything because I'm like, I don't know if he did it to anyone else. I think that's the, the thing that I, I went through therapy about it, but that's the thing that I still struggle with a little bit. You know, did he molest someone else and could I have been the one to stop that? But mm. I had to like, I have to not blame that on myself, you know, hope that answers your question. Yeah. yeah. And then you, so did, is there any correlation then to like you then modeling and getting into fitness and, being desirable and wanting to be desirable. Do you think that like kind of led into that at all? Or is it totally separate? You just have always loved motivation, inspiration, wellness. I, I think that, um, the, the fitness aspect, no fitness was purely from an athletic standpoint. And I just, I've played sports my entire life, right. but my message is definitely that my message of really helping people trust and believe in themselves. Like all of my tattoos says, conquer your mind, transform your life, trust and believe, dig deeper. You know, these are all the things that I had to tell myself, you know, I realized I had to tell myself as a young kid to actually, to survive, mm. you know, but it, the messaging wasn't that it was just in, in a young person's mindset you know, you, you subconsciously are like pushing through. And so I just, I tell people I'm their biggest fan because I just know that if 
I went through something super crazy. Like I know that it's possible for you to persevere through things that are really, really tough. It's not easy, but I know it's possible. Mm. What is it like being a gay dad? I don't, I think you could just like literally eliminate the gay part. Cause like I, first of all, I never met my biological father and mm. my stepfather molested me. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, we can laugh about it. Cause I'm like, bitch, I don't have a clue. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. However, um, so I can't, but it is a unique setup, right? Like I mean, in theory, it would have been fantastic if I was grew up with two gay parents. I didn't, <laughs> but it is a rare occurrence. And now it happens, and it happens with a lot, and people share it. But it's not. If you take an elementary school, I'm sure your kids are in school. Well, they're three, so they're not preschool in school yet. that they're going to enter. There, my assumption, I could be overgeneralizing. There may be a few other families that are similar in that grade, let's yeah. say, because it's mm. rare, and so. I'm in, whereas a lot of people, when they're parenting, I always see like a wife who has your girlfriends and they talk about parenting and like, you know, it's just a different setup, you know, and, and I'm curious what has been the big learnings or have there really been none? And it's kind of like, yeah, we're just, we're both dads and we're daddy and Papa and Dada. I'm Papa and he, and Scott's Dada. I think to your point, the biggest learning experience, I think, you know, I, I don't feel like a gay dad, but I am a gay dad. I'm gay as gay can be. <laughs> Trust and believe. Um, but I think that heterosexual couples can really learn from gay families, at, at least from ours, because we don't step into roles. Like there is no, there is no male, female, right? Like my husband and I take on two different roles, but we fell into these roles purely on our personalities and our wants and desires and the individual relationships we have with our twins. So Scott is more, he's more of, I, he has the dad bag. He has the the medicine, he has the band-aids, he has, you know, he has all that. He's, he's the, you know, come to dada if you feel certain way. He's making dinner like he does all that and i'm the super fun like i buy all the toys i do all the experiences and i'm the most i'm i'm the stern one you know i'm the disciplinarian and it's just it's just what our what our upbringing was scott was raised in seattle so he's like super cool you know he's not really a tree hugger but you know seattleites are just very you know free-spirited and i'm from jersey and i'm ready to fight around every corner i'm not really currently but that's just my like quick away yeah, yeah i'm like, like let's go so right. but it's really odd they're in this three they're three years old and right now I think I'm their favorite because I'm like super fun, but I'm also super hard. But, you know, a year ago they wanted all the love from Dada. So it like does this like seesaw thing. Right. So we'll see what happens. So did you year. both want kids at the same time or how did you go about having kids? So Scott wanted 11 kids. He wanted to do this like whole thing. And I was like, I really didn't want any. Sounds like a, that sounds like a, a camp. Well, he, wanted, about he like, was a professional soccer player. So he wanted a soccer team. He was like, I, he was a professional. So he's like, I want a soccer team. And I'm like, okay. But no, um, I was like, maybe two. So anyway, but actually our, our baby story is really crazy. It, was, we it took us five years to have kids. We um, did it through surrogacy. And um, so one is fertilized by me and one is fertilized by him and how'd you choose the mom well it was tough so it did take us five years so the first woman we tried to fertilize she didn't get pregnant the second woman had a miscarriage the third and fourth nothing happened we had six egg donors it was like over a half a million dollars money spent just like serious really yeah cost that much money to try to have a baby well usually a lot of people it, it's like 30 or forty thousand because it happens like once but it, we we try for five years and like six times and then eventually we found a surrogate that worked in our um, fertility clinic. She was incredible, but she was just a surrogate. The mother uh, we found on a website, I think it was eggdonor.com. And it's basically like online dating. You know, you basically choose the profile you can put in like so height, what you Like, what was this egg? Tell me about this egg. Oh my God. So this woman, she has no idea that we're 
she has no idea that she gave us the eggs, but so she's a black woman. She literally is, and people might laugh. She is the the female version of me. She's a <laughs> fitness instructor. She's wild. She sings. She dances. She loves. She loves to be sexy and everything. So she is literally the female version of me. And you know, so it's really fun because Scott is white, and like one of my kids is curly hair, like these gray and green eyes. And then there's a mini version of me that is like. And they're twins. Yeah. So literally like you're, so I can understand this because <laughs> I don't quite understand. <laughs> I thought it's just like one sperm finds one egg. Well, that happens inside the body. In the body. But how does, <laughs> how did the sperm get both of your characteristics? No, it, did, it didn't. It didn't. No, no, no. So what happens is they basically, so here's a little, you know, anatomy lesson or lesson for people so you know when a woman has a period is basically the fact that she released an egg from her ovaries and it didn't implant so that's so her lining sheds right so what happens is they go in they put the woman uh, the egg donor on meds they go in and they basically open up as many follicles as they can and they extract as many eggs as she can produce in that time frame they put them in a petri dress dish me and Scott go into this place at the fertility clinic called the Inspiration Room, and they have all kinds of pornography. In there Is it just magazines. a wild? Do they have every kind of they, porn? They got gay porn, if that's what you want to know. They, yes, got, they got everything. All. They got it all. It looks like you're. A, you could be at the Eagle. <laughs> I also on the say we're night. Right, exactly. <laughs> the Eagle. Oh, but I wait can't. a minute. But it's so wild because the first fertility clinic we went to. They sent us in together, and you basically have to put this "Do Not Disturb" sign outside the door, and we're like. Because, you know, it's like, I don't know what I can say on this podcast, but basically I'm jerking off in my doctor's office. And it's like, what the fuck? You know? And how many times do you have to do that? Well, we had to do it. We had to do it maybe like three or four times because, you know, we we donated a lot of sperm. So they freeze it and all this stuff. But anyway, it's pretty simple. So, uh, yeah. So basically they take the, those eggs from her. They take our sperm. They do all this stuff. They spin it. They introduce them outside the body. And then it goes through five days to see if they become a viable embryo. And then it gets tested and then they have to make it through another phase. And if they get tested and they have any abnormalities, you can't use them. But if they do look great, they get graded like A, B, C, D, basically. And um, and then you also can find out the gender if you want to as as that process goes along. Tony, you better start saving up your money because you want to have kids. I do. You better get the half a million yeah. nest egg. No, but yeah. you, no, it's not going to take five years and don't, you don't need a half a million dollars. No, I know, but your, your, your husband sounds like my boyfriend where he, my boyfriend wants six kids. And I'm That's like, he's I know, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> look, I was like, as much as I would love to have six kids, I'm like, I think we need to start off with one. I when the time two. is right, he wants to have twins starting off the bat. I'm like, What's that's that? a lot. Pick your twins it's up. hard. It's very tough. I would, I would, I would recommend not having. I mean, who am I? But it was so <laughs> terrible. I mean, it was. I mean, the process of getting. I, no, no, no. Oh, the twins after they were born. Like you know, your surrogate has the babies, and you know, if they're in her stomach, and you're like, oh my god, I'm living my best life, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you get two babies. These two babies, and you're and so with one. If people are tired, you can have your parents or you can have friends come over and you yeah. can go and he can sleep and la 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 and everybody's, you know, grandiose. It's still hard, not shading, shading the people who have one kid. But when you have two, nobody's sleeping. It is just, and then you're trying to get these two different humans. Like imagine. And one triggers the other. It's like right. dogs that bark. Imagine us trying to get on the same schedule, everything. Like we, we need to eat at the same time. We need to go to the bathroom at the same time. Everything like that's, it's really hard. Um, but there's something really special about the twin bond. And now I'll say at three, almost four years old, there'll be four in, in November. It is the absolute best. Like just last. Just, what was the biggest thing you, you, you feel though, since having, you didn't realize going into it with babies. Was it anything that you were like, God, I wish I knew this. It would have helped me out. No. And the only reason why I can say that is because our twins were born early and they were in the NICU for, I think, three and a half or four weeks. And we wow. have the best NICU nurses. They literally trained us beyond. And then we had Scott's parents live next door. And we so I think that we, and, and I had 
my mom had a daycare center when I was growing up. Like that's what she did. So I knew I had a plenty of experience with kids. So between the NICU nurses, having family nearby and my past experience, and my sister is 20 years younger than me. So, you know, I, it's nothing that I wish I knew. It's more what I wish I knew the relationship with my spouse, because what happens, and this is for you, whenever you have kids one or two, most people are looking down at their child for the first six months. It's like, I have this baby and you don't look at your partner and it can cause like a big divide because instead of looking at each other and saying, let's do this together and still finding that time to be intimate or, or getting someone so that you can go out on a date, you know, that's the thing that I wish we would have really known in the first three months before. Cause then, you know, we fought a lot. Like when you had the babies in the first couple of months, cause like I was going out on my book tour. You're not sleeping. Well. You're not sleeping. And then, and then you're, you're, you think you're raising teenagers and you're not, you're just trying to keep babies alive. And then he wants to do it one way and I want to do it one way. And we weren't talking like this. It would be like, we're looking down, we're making a decision looking down and then you blurt your way to that other person and they get frustrated. And that's how, that's why it gets really crazy. But that's what I wish I knew. So if you're having a kid, don't always look down, like be the team first. And like everybody think like, we always tell our kids, we're like, our relationship comes first. And so if you go and try to tell Dada or ask Dada something that you just asked me, he's not going to, even if he doesn't agree with it, number one, you won't know. And number two, he's still going to agree with me. You know, yeah. that's because so we, mm. that was the biggest learning lesson for us. Like we always have to be. Yeah, you can't get split. Mm -mm. As soon as you get split, then it goes all sorts of sideways. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. I'm yeah. like ready. I'm like already think I've already. It's hard though. I mean, it's great. I mean, you can bring your baby over <laughs> once in a while. I'll say hello and work out. Even if you're extremely tired when you have a kid, it does not matter. Work out for 20 minutes a day. You think it's going to make you more exhausted, but it's actually going to give you the energy and help you sleep better when you actually sleep. That's the biggest mistake people make. They they just eat and don't work out because mm. they're tired. And just that little bit just helps a let's, lot. Let's, let's say that one more time for the people who didn't listen to that. So when you have a baby after yeah. workout. Yeah. Like when, when you have a baby, especially if a mom who delivers a baby obviously mm. has to wait until she gets her doctor's, you know, permission, permission to work out. But even if you're a same sex uh, couple that didn't have to carry the baby, or even if you're the dad or the mom who didn't deliver the baby, but you're still up all night and you're still work out. It is extremely important for you to work out and eat as healthy as possible. I was curious and this is for anyone, right? Because you do know a lot about working out. Yes, I do. And you've worked <laughs> with tens of thousands of people. <laughs> what? And there's so much out there. Like, I don't know. I was looking at my YouTube the other day and there's all these machines, you know, that I always see new machines come through. I don't know. I think they're trying to tell me there's a quicker way. <laughs> but what is the reason that people don't stay on track or why that you found, like, what are the common reasons why people don't just work out for 20, 30 minutes, regardless of baby, right? Cause yeah. some people don't even do it even with no baby. Yeah. Why is that? It really comes down to one reason. What? They don't like it. Mm. Most people don't like to work out period. They don't like it. So what happens is you see this incredible commercial, you see this machine, like you said, you see this, you know, amazing diet and it's sold to you. And it's, and a lot of times it make it makes it seem like it can happen really fast and they don't enjoy it. So my thing is, what do you enjoy? You know, if you enjoy dancing, find a dance workout. If you're like, I just want to walk. And like, if I like talking and walking, like go for a walk every day, um, hiking, you know, you don't have to do, do you have to evolve what you do since you've been doing it for so long? Like, do you ever get bored? of no. certain stuff. You're like, don't throw salsa at me again. I want to do hip hop. Well, like I'll tell you my workouts. My first workout was a dance. My first, my first two workout commercials were dance. My second one was insanity, which was like the biggest one, which is why I, I basically told people if you're did lazy. Did you own insanity? Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I produced it through beach with Beachbody. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, that was a huge hit. 
Yes, it was. How many of those were, was that back with DVDs? Yes. How many DVDs sold from that? I think like 10 million. 10 million. Yeah. 10 million DVDs of Insanity Mm -hmm. the Workout. Yes. Damn. Via commercial. And now it's streaming. People still stream it. Uh, So I did, and then I did like a bunch of fitness. Then I did dance again. And I did, and I just released a dance program that just came out in uh in may uh What's a new called? workout it's called let's get up it's super fun it's i'm wild Ooh. it's shot in hawaii and i am like living my best life you the luau's fast. out right so yes i ain't have a luau i almost wanted to take off all my clothes oh. but um so but, do you you your art in this is you reinvent I've, I consider myself to be the Madonna of fitness. You know, like Madonna is always like doing something different. I mean, I have my brand, which is always the belief in the people, but I'm not, I'm not one dimensional and I don't believe that anyone is. Mm-hmm. I just feel like people forget to tap into those parts of them that could be, you know, multi-dimensional, if you will. Wow. So you, that is insane though, because you had to, had to have made a fortune. Off insanity. I did. Fortune. I mean, I did pretty good. You listen, I'm from the hood. I I grew up on food stamps. Like, I had to sneak bread upstairs because we didn't have enough food in the house. And, like, so you're always in the hustle. I'm, I'm still hustling. And, you know, a lot of people say money doesn't make you happy. Don't get it twisted. When you first start getting money, you're like, oh my gosh. But now, like, as an, uh, as a responsible adult with children, it's less about, I mean, yes, everybody wants to make money. So I'm not even going to say I don't because I do, but it's really about, and it goes back to the question you asked me about fitness. It's really about, are you enjoying what you are doing? Yes, there, yeah, you have to hustle. There's always going to be the hustle because not everybody gets to start out doing what they want. But as you're hustling, know what, know what it is that you want so you can drive all of your energy, energy toward the thing that you really love to do. And hopefully that can make you money. But, but it, I, it had to have changed the business model of DVDs, internet. Like, do you still have stuff on TV commercials? Yeah. So some of my infomercials still play and, you know, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you always see a little Shanti pop up every once in a while. Right, he's right after. Do you remember back in the day it was Ron Goldman's food dehydrator? I do not remember oh, that. I begged my parents to get that food dehydrator. They they would like dry out apricots and I would be like, mom. Oh, I did that. it like go into this bag yes. thing? Yes, I And remember. I was like, it was that. There was Susie Orman. Oh, she had her own financial I segment. Love I used to watch Susie Orman all the time. Yeah, Susie came on this podcast. I oh, love Susie. She's, she's always great. like, let me tell you, sister. I'm like, okay, tell me, sister. <laughs> but that is fantastic that you've been able to keep reinventing what you do. And are now are you more geared towards like dancing and fit? like tell tell me what inspires you today with this. Right. So right now I'm really working on, you know, Beachbody just released this thing called Beachbody On Demand Interactive. So we have this live streaming platform where we get, if people sign up soon enough, they could be in the podcast. And, you know, it's really about connection. For me, it doesn't matter the kind of workout. Like today, I the first workout I did was dance and the second workout I did was hit. Like I was basically killing myself and other people. So, but my method of training is really just to build community, build people together. And that's, that's really what I'm about. You know, I have a group on Facebook called Dig Deeper Nation, and it's just people of all shapes, sizes, fitness levels, but we all can dig deeper in our own little way. And so that's kind of what drives me at the moment. Do you do retreats and stuff? I do. So I have a transformation center uh, and pre-COVID now it's tough, but we would have uh, 10 people come out on weekends and we would do a full transformation weekend where it would be fitness. It would be life change. It'd be, you know, just kind of all of the fun things you can do to transform. Do you like helping people one-on-one or do you prefer groups at this stage? It really depends. It's less about what I like doing and more about how people accept it. I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's like personal training, you know, like you could, somebody can show up for a personal training session and they can be lazy and you can turn into a counselor or somebody can turn up, show up to a personal training session and be like, I want to sweat. And when I'm helping people mentally, I want the people that's like, 
I want to go through the journey. I don't believe that you can transform without really diving into the emotion. Mm. And so, you know, I want people to show up that way. But if you spend time with me, you have, you really have no choice but to go. It just happens. We're going to get there. (laughs) I gotta, I gotta ask, what's the one decision that you made in your life that like changed your life completely good or bad? Um, I'm moving out of my house, moving out of the house. Yeah. Because had I not done that, I, there's no way like I would be in a whole nother other place. I don't think I would have had that. If I stayed one year longer, I would, I think I would have given up. I noticed this video that you put out. It was a while ago where you basically were like, I don't understand why you people are mean or negative or rude Or what made you put out that video that just kind of was like, let me just talk to people who are following me about being nasty online. Usually it's because one of my biggest pet peeves is bullies. It has nothing to do with me because I'm not, I can take care of myself. And usually people who talk trash about me, like it doesn't bother. But, you know, my platform is built for people to really be themselves. And so when I see people like just being mean, it just makes me mad and so i'm just kind of like why like what is the reason like can you imagine all of us sitting here we having a good time and all of a sudden say you know what sean you're an asshole like even your people would be like but that's what life is about but what people don't understand is people who are bullies adult bullies child childhood bullies they get to that mental state or mental place because of their journey and they then decide to judge someone else in their present day on their history Mm. whereas like this person who chooses to this might be like a little crazy but like let's say somebody's like a stripper at the club or they have an OnlyFans account and someone comes up and you you talk about your morals and your values to judge them. You don't know, like they could have been homeless and this is the thing that they got to do or they Mm. love their body or they, you know, or, and so, and I use something like really extreme because I think it helps people. So why, why, what, why, why can't I be like, wow, that's really great. And ask questions like you, like, how did you get to make that decision and really understand people? And, but people choose to be mean instead. And it's, it's absolutely unnecessary. And there's a lot of that in the fitness space, basically a lot of it's around aesthetics, right? Where the bullying takes place. Yeah. I imagine. But here's the thing that's so crazy. The bullying takes place. So I'm going to say this. I don't know who your listeners are, but people might get mad. One of the things that I hate about the gay community is when you see photos of groups of people, like all the guys look alike. It's like, I have to be all around all the rip people. And I'm like, yeah, you it know, makes, by the way, it makes no sense at all. In fact, someone sent me a photo because they went to um, Folsom or something. And it was all these guys that were really buffed and ripped and all in the photos smiling. And I said, boring. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, why is everyone striving to look like each other? Yeah. And why is everyone dressed kind of the same? Yeah. And like, why do they all have like the same tan? And what do these people even talk about? I just, I, I, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think there's a, there's a lot of things in the gay community, if you want to call it, that like irk me where I find that a lot of gay men will talk about anti-bullying, but they'll go tear someone down who doesn't have the same political beliefs as them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. And you're justifying and packaging it and wrapping it up in something. And I have a hard time with that. I mean, it, it, it just, I think that like acceptance, if I'm saying you must accept me, then I must accept you. Like I went to dinner in texas Mm -hmm. and uh there was like a a dinner of 10 people someone threw me a little uh book party yeah and i didn't realize it was all like very religious evangelical christians where they all thought like (laughs) i and i pushed myself i was like and there was some pastors there and everything and i'm like i'm gonna have a killer time being myself and all, I know that some of these people probably don't even believe in gay marriage mm-hmm. and I'm still going to have a fabulous time yeah. and I'm still going to connect with them. And I'm not going to allow 
someone else's belief that based upon their history, because that's been their story to allow me to now be negative. Because when we're negative, we're the ones carrying it, not them. The last thing we ever want to do is give someone our energy and make us feel bad when it's not even someone that's like in our world. Yeah. It's so odd. Oh, but you know, back to your point, I, I want to say, <laughs> you got me unraveled. no, go. I say, you know, it's funny. I tell my husband, cause my husband does my workout. So my husband's like really ripped and he was a professional soccer player, but I'm like, you can gain a good 30. I'm like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, why can't beauty is like, so like the human body is like so wonderful that yeah, like, you know, of course I like, I have, you know, I have abs and whatever. I'm like, it's my career, but I still think that, you know, we have to, we have to really open our minds up to, to understand that everybody has like more than an ounce of beauty inside of them. Everyone's got sexy. Yes, Everyone has a little bit of sex. Trust and believe. And, and <laughs> there's a type That's for true. everyone. Yes, there is. Like, you ain't the only one. Like, that body is not the only no, one. And I, look at, I look at all these guys in movies, and none of these guys are my type. Like, none. I mean, and, Me and, and you, we need to hang out together. I and just everyone, thinks, everyone thinks, like, oh, my gosh. that's. I'm like, oh, that's beautiful because some magazine told you that's beautiful? I didn't grow up thinking that was cute. What, am I going to think it's cute now? Come on. I just... Tony hears me all the time. Like, I'm like, I feel like I'm a loner in this gay world at times, even though I do have gay friends and have some great relationships, but I don't march to like a beat of just because some higher gay voice says, this is how we should believe that I should just subscribe to it. No, I want to research. I want to look into it. I want to see if it's right for uh, me. You don't even look into it. There's no reason for you to look into it. That's the it's thing the about, truth. that's the thing I'll about be being nice. That's the thing about people like your uniqueness. Like, the thing is, I think one of the things that people forget, and I was saying earlier on about how the world kind of conforms to these trends is that when you start conforming to trends, you start conforming, like, it's fine to do a dance, but like, sometimes it's like, when I create a fitness program, this, I think it's the best way to explain it. I don't look at other fitness programs. If some, if, if I have a round table and they're like, I want you to create this, I don't go to YouTube, I don't scroll through social media and be no. like, what's out there? I go with what's up here and what mm-hmm. I feel and what's the message I want to give. And I just wish people would do that with their lives, you know? Everybody in here, like you're so great. And you just, you know, my son, we are celebrating Halloween and my husband took them to Party City. They were so excited to go to Party City. Mm -hmm. And one of my sons said, I want to be Iron Man. And my other son said, I want to be Spider Girl. And I was like, so like, you know, and last year, one of my, the one that was, the one that was Iron Man this year, last year was a witch. He had um, the orange dress on or whatever. And this year, you know, my son is Spider Girl. And so, you know, we're sitting around. Of course, you get a comment like, you know, you guys are just doing that for the likes. What are we doing for the likes? Were you at home when my kids have what looks like a periodic table of superheroes? They're three years old and they know their superpowers. He's obsessed with Spider Girl. And when he puts it on, he doesn't say, hey, Papa, I have a dress. He says, I love pink. This is a really interesting shirt. You know, so why, so why are you going to judge, Yeah. you know, and it's just, it's just so, it's so crazy. But anyway, so we're teaching our kids mm. to, if you want to wear a spider girl dress, we going to slay the game. My, my husband was like, I think it's too small. We need to go get him one that like fits him. And I'm like, he likes it. Like let him, you know, keep it on. <laughs> but anyway, let so him work those spider legs. I just, exactly. I just wish that adults mm. would be like that. You don't have to be like everybody else. And not everybody has to like you either. Yeah. And this is a good <laughs> reminder because I think we all have to be reminded. You know, I I have to certainly be reminded all the time, you know, just to to really embrace and not want to change. And that other people aren't a threat to me, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm not. I'm, it's safe. Yeah. You know, because sometimes our own stories and our backgrounds can just uh, lead us to all sorts of places. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 
6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your background, I really appreciate you sharing it with us because you're so open about it. And it's something a lot of people aren't. And it's something that uh, a lot of people carry shame around and they don't go to therapy mm-hmm. and they th- think something's wrong with them. And the fact that you've not let it stop you from building a beautiful life and having love and having children and, and continuing and not letting your past dictate the man that you are today, but just inform you to be a better man today. And so thank you for coming on Always Evolving. Everyone can find you, I assume it's Sean T on all socials, right? (laughs) S-H-A-U-N-T. Sean T. So everyone go follow Sean T. And, you know, I want to do, I I secretly, when Sean T was coming on this podcast, I was like, you know, if you need to do a video (laughs) of anything, you could always do it at my house. I've asked Jim because I was, I was secretly like, oh, the Madonna dance is coming over. Maybe I could, (laughs) maybe I could, maybe I could end up in one of those videos because I look at some of those background dancers and I'm sometimes like, what about me? You know, I'll put on an orange headband and I'll get down. (laughs) So... Uh, Everyone make sure to follow him and make sure to subscribe to this. And until next time, keep it magical. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnoses, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.